Hello and welcome to Subclass Act, a solo role-playing actual play podcast. I'm your host, James Schraw. Hello and welcome back, y'all, to Subclass Act. I, again, am your host, James Schrall. I have a boatload of listener questions to get in. Um, they've been building up, and I, I need to add them on this episode. I had my rambly episode last time, so we're going to do some listener calls uh, and quick responses to that, and then we're going to introduce the first one-shot of, I guess, the season 1.5. Um, so without any further ado, here's some listener calls. Hey there, James. Dennis here from the Netherlands. Um, I've been catching up on your podcast um, recently. I recently got into solo gaming, and uh, it was really helpful to see somebody go through it in an actual play podcast. Um, I definitely also like the bonus episode on the different oracles and game systems. Would love to hear more of that in the future. Um, What I found especially liberating is how you switched between game systems, uh, also in a way that it made sense uh, for the narrative, I think. Um, So I'm just really uh, curious to see where you take this next after this uh, first arc, and definitely would like to see some one-shots here, I should say, of course. Uh, So yeah, just a way of saying thank you. Okay, keep up the good work. Yeah, well, thanks, Dennis. Um, yeah, it's, it's nice to know that there are people listening and enjoying. Um, I, I had fun switching the systems a little bit, just uh, partly because, yeah, I wanted to make it fit the story. I wanted to figure out what worked on the show um, for the first season, you know, fantasy, sci-fi, different things, because uh, it was a huge experiment with me to, to even do the show at all. So I kind of wanted to try out some different things. Um, yeah, I'm really excited about uh, season two as well. We've got sort of the season 1.5 right now with the one shots. Uh, still trying to figure out what to do for season two. Um, but yeah, we'll kind of just see which way it goes. Thanks for listening. Hey, James, Jason here. Really enjoyed the last episode of season one of the Subclass Act. I, I think staying true to your, you know, true to the beliefs and true to the form and letting the dice decide it was the right way to go with the way the characters were you could have easily said they reawoke somewhere else or you know the one character they hadn't found yet you know and restart with them or something like that but but I do appreciate your honest not your honesty but maybe the integrity of the project I don't know it would have been okay it would have been okay if you'd done the other thing too but but I do appreciate what you did really enjoyed it now I'm looking forward to this mini arc so Take care and keep up the great work. Yeah, thanks, Jason. Yeah, I, I'd actually kind of thought about that myself. I was, I thought, well, maybe, um, you know, maybe uh, the the elf, um, or because I guess they had found everybody except for uh, Iris the elf, and I thought maybe she could wake up and she would be in this next uh, this next segment coming up, um, and they would, you know, she would have to go out searching for them. Partly, I was just, uh, I felt like I'd already done that with the. Um, you know, the dice decided that they, they had died, um, and I, I felt like I did need to stick with it, like you're saying, because um, the dice need to decide at the end of the day. Uh, but also, you know, I'd, I'd already kind of played that out with the uh, with the characters going and um, trying to find. So it, it seemed like it would have been doing the same thing twice. So, uh, yeah, that's that's kind of the was kind of the thinking there. Um, but I'm, I'm glad you appreciated the, the direction that it went. Um, you know, the other things I just wanted to try new things. And I also, uh, you know, pretty much a lot of the, the solo, you know, there's not many, but the solo actual plays I listen to, they don't really typically have, you know, TPKs or anything like that. Um, you know, the dice end up being favorable, but I figured, well, here's an example of the dice not being favorable, um, which seems to happen a lot in my solo playing. Maybe I, I'm just not a good solo player. <laughs> Everybody dies. Shakespeare apparently taught me how to play role-playing games because uh, everybody dies. Uh, but yeah, really, I just wanted to try new things, move on to new things, uh, which I'm excited about. By the way, I really love the idea of rolling the fate die along with the d20 and using that as, you, you know, that end it or, you, you, you know, but or, or um, you, you know, and I'm not talking well today. But anyway, I like the idea of using the fate die and dish the d20 to help 
give a little more depth to what's going on. I could see you using that even in a regular game, you know, with multiple players. Um, I, I think that's a really interesting idea. Yeah, as far as the uh, adding the fate die, I think I'm going to continue that on systems uh, for one shots that don't have the more narrative dice. So obviously wouldn't do that on something like uh, fate. If I do a fate one shot, um, because it already is the fate dice. Um, if I do Genesis uh, with its narrative dice, I wouldn't do that because they already have the narrative thing. That is something that I really like, especially from Genesis or you know Star Wars, whether it's Age of, Edge of the Empire is the only one I have, but they have Age of the Rebellion and so on. Um, that's one of the things I really like about Genesis. I know that the dice aren't the cheapest, although when you really boil it down, they're not actually that expensive for the number you get, but they are proprietary with the symbols. Um, and that is a bummer at first, but... Uh, you know, just the fact that there's, it's not just a yes or no, it's yes and no with all this degree success, uh, success is really interesting. Um, you kind of get that a little bit with the powered by the apocalypse kind of stuff because of the partial successes. And that's one of the things I liked about off worlders a lot as well. Um, and you know, it's something I would love to add. So I'm probably going to continue doing that in any systems that use more, more or less a, a D20 or I suppose any D100. I don't think I have any D100 games, but, um, I would probably do the same thing for now to see kind of how that goes right now. Again, purely narrative, um, and I agree. I I've thought about seeing if about adding something like this to uh, my other games that are run, um, like uh, my Five uh, E game. The only problem is I haven't figured out on Foundry right now, since we we all live in different places. I haven't figured out how to roll the fate die on there yet, or to add it to to some other sort of a game. Um, but yeah, I I think it's kind of fun that it it shows you know, yeah, you hit them, but you know this, or or you get that extra kind of triumph, and it's just smaller bonuses, but it adds more of the flavor, more of the depth. Hey, Jason here. On the systems you mentioned, Fate and Warlock are the two that interest me the most. So with that said, let me go back to the podcast. Hey, James, Jason here. I tend to agree with you on the idea that Crunch is a little more useful in a solo game than in a, at a game table with players because Crunch does help you kind of more define what's going on and because you're there by yourself you, you know it kind of helps you shape what's going on a little bit better because you don't have the input from the players and you're not riffing off each other as much so, so i'm with you there i think there is a place i mean you look like pendragon pendragon's a fairly heavy game but it's almost ideal for solo play i don't know if you ever had a chance to go watch any of arlen Walker's solo plays on live from pelham's wasteland youtube with pendragon or, or he was using um paladin which is Pendragon in France, but, but it really is the way that system's set up. It's just ideal for solo play. Um, if you want to play in those genres, same thing. If you go to something that has a lot of charts, especially for like critical roles or fumbles or this or that, you know, it can easily help you out with a fiction. So you can put your, your creative talents elsewhere. So I, I definitely think you have something there. Um, I've been looking at maybe starting to do some solo stuff, so we'll see where that goes eventually. Probably nothing will happen until next month. Um, but I really do enjoy the what you've been doing, and I look forward to the show as it evolves and um, and your thoughts and your projects as they evolve. I, I think the, the settings ideas are really neat. And while I'd like to see different rules, I think if you want to do, if, if you release more settings, and I know your show is not about pimping your products, but... You, you know, I think there's a market out there for good settings, and and there are so many easy OSE or OSR rules you you can just use to base your settings on and get those neat settings out there. Yeah, thanks again, Jason. Yeah, I, uh, I, you know, as far as the crunch, yeah, it, it's mainly just because it's in solo gaming, it's easier to have the more constraints, right? Because everything is possible, that can be a little bit more intimidating. Versus when I'm, I'm running a game, even if it's a super light game, I've already usually established some things about the world or we as a group are if we're playing something like Dungeon World or I usually do that anyway, regardless of what game, what game I'm playing. But we've already established some sorts of constraints. But when you're uh, soloing, you can do that. Um, but I'm usually trying to get more of the player side aspect instead of just the GM aspect since I'm pretty much always a GM. Um, so you know, and, and trying to be surprised by what comes up. So having the random tables helps, having even just the rules confine you a little bit is is different in solo. Um, yeah, so I, I'm i still kind of experimenting what that looks like, but I agree with you as well that it doesn't necessarily mean, it doesn't have to be rules crunch, it just, you know, the tables really can help with a lot of that. So 
At some point, I would love to experiment with Electric Bastion Land, for instance. It's not a crunchy, rules-heavy game at all, but it does have a lot of you know random tables to help with stuff and push the fiction in what direction it's going. So you know maybe it's more or less that it's just some sort of creative constraint, whether it's the rules or um, you know or whatever. Uh, as far as you playing solo, yeah, definitely. I think everybody should try some solo stuff. Um, it's it's not for everybody. It's different. There's all different kinds of ways to do it. So check out different you know different ways people do it parts per million has a million oracles for a million different games they all seem really good i've got a couple of them um he's also experimenting with some of the stuff from tilt which is where you you do the kind of cut up kind of thing for me i I think i mentioned this in the last episode it's a little bit too intensive for me to do but you know rolling on a random table on a book or a random page on a book um you know can be huge and and you can it can give you cool ideas um for you know even your uh, regular games so yeah i'd love to um to hear if you do some solo stuff, Jason, what, what your experience is with that. Um, yeah, fate and, um, warlock are super cool. I I've never gotten to play fate in any kind. So solo on the show would be the potentially the first time doing that. Um, so I'm looking into doing that. I'm glad to hear that you're excited about that. I'm also super excited about warlock because that's another one I've never gotten to play yet, but I love the fight, uh, fighting fantasy base. Um, because I loved it when I played Troika and it's the closest I have to Warhammer, which is, um, intimidating to me. Um, and so it's got that kind of gritty, grimy aesthetic to it um, that I, I want to try out, but with the lighter rule. So I'll keep that in mind, uh, something that could be interesting to do. I suppose I can take a moment as well. And, um, I, you know, yeah, I haven't typically talked about my own stuff that I've made on the show. I'll mention it briefly. Um, and so if you're not interested in this, uh, feel free to skip past this. Uh, there's another one more call in uh, after this. Uh, but yeah, I'll, I'll take just a little bit since you brought it up um, to kind of pimp some of my own stuff that I'm working on. Um, you know, if, if any listeners have interest in giving feedback on this, I'd love it. Um, I recently did uh, a game jam for the Tiny Library Jam on itch.io. Um, if you're not aware uh, of itch, itch is a really cool, um, it's mainly a video game uh, store, kind of like Steam, but it has more of an indie focus. But there's a, a huge scene of games on there for um, underneath physical games for RPGs and the like. Um, really cool stuff people are working on there. That's how I discovered there's an entire scene of South and Latin American games that people are working on, and they're just doing super cool stuff there. Um, so, and stuff that you just won't find anywhere else. Uh, there's a lot of OSR stuff on there too. Really cool stuff. Um, so I, I've been trying to put some stuff on there. I think I've mentioned briefly in a previous episode that I made my game Novas and Nebulae, which is available for free on itch. Um, it's my, Oh, a way of making a sci-fi game that's easy for me to run. I've actually run it several times now, especially for work colleagues, and we've had a blast. So yeah, again, it's free. So if it's something that interests you and you're looking for a, a lighter weight uh, sci-fi game, yeah, go ahead and, and download it. It's free. Um, I've worked on a few other things. Like you mentioned, Reef Runners is a setting for, um, I've mentioned on the show before, it's kind of a quirky, weird setting for Troika or um, uh, for Nova's Nebulae, but you could take it more seriously. I talk about that a bit with Jason on his show. If you're interested, check out that episode. Um, but yeah, I, I've been working on some new stuff, some new ideas have been kicking around. So the jam, coming back to the jam, the jam that I did for the tiny library is for business card RPGs. Uh, so I released two of those. Um, those are uh, free, pay what you want. So you can check out those as well. One of them's called What Came Through the Wormhole? And the other side says Who Came Through the Wormhole? And it's kind of uh, fun and quirky. I'm a big fan of Adventure Time. I don't run my games too, too seriously. They sometimes have dark and serious moments, but I like to have the levity too. So it's kind of for that. It's just a random prompt generator. It's a business card size. Um, the other one is called Liches and Loot, which I made basically so that I could run these games with my work colleagues at lunch. We only have an hour to play. Um, they were really interested in the idea of, you know, being able to roll up a character in two minutes the first time, or <laughs> even shorter the next time, uh, and play through some stuff. So we've been playing through um, another one of my projects, which is pay what you want, uh, free up there called the quivering Isle, which is, um, a hex map, hex crawl using, uh, tiles from, is it Nate? I've been saying Nate Tream, but I think it may be Nate Treme. Um, either way, his stuff is amazing. Highland paranormal society. So I took, uh, some of his tiles I colored in the hex map, uh, made some prompts. I'm probably going to add more stuff to that, um, to flesh out individual areas. If people want more, um, you know, different random tables that I've been working on. Um, so that one's kind of in development again, free. Um, and then, yeah, some of the other settings I've been working on, um, that are kind of in, in development, sort of one of them is a, um, sort of a space, um, sort of electric bastion land sort of thing in space. So sort of Victorian pseudo steampunk in state in space 
where you have all these different terrariums that are free floating or on asteroids or on planets or whatever. Um, they're basically like big brass or raw iron bird cages um, in, you know, artificial environments. They're connected by spacefaring zeppelins where all, there's all different kinds of guilds, the, uh, the zeppeliners guild, the tree, uh, tree planters guild, um, since they, you know, grow oxygen, basically. <laughs> um, all these different kinds of things where it's, it's very, you know, episode to episode, things are going to be different. So they may go to one and say, oh, wow, this one's so fancy. You could, there's even artificial, um, artificial atmosphere in here. And they go to the edge and realize it's wall, wallpaper and it's peeling. Um, that sort of a thing. Uh, magic is really frowned upon. Um, I had originally thought, uh, what Jason's alluding to is I originally thought of making it, um, you know, use my Novus Nebulae system or have a tweak on it to help get me closer to having a fantasy version of that. Um, but then I felt really challenged by something Luke Gearing said on Twitter, um, a really great designer, much better than I. Um, and I, I realized that what I want to do, I think r- right now, um, is focus less on making the rule systems and more on, uh, making the setting, making the environment, making adventures and stuff like that, more of that kind of content because I can realistically, I think, play that in, in most games. So I'm working on that as a setting. Um, I have some, uh, just to make myself a hypocrite, some people have asked, uh, saying that they think um, I should make a paranormal investigation game. So I'm looking into doing that. Um, so yeah, there's some, there's some other kinds of settings and stuff um, that I'm working on. That's kind of the main stuff right now on the uh, sort of on the docket. Um, yeah. So you can find my stuff uh, on itch.io. My name, James Schrall. You can also look up, um, I'm starting to post things under subclass act on things like that. Um, I think I'm subclass act on drive through RPG. I, I have just a couple of those things on drive through RPG, not the smaller ones yet. Uh, I'll probably get this up soon. So yeah, I don't normally pimp my own stuff, um, but I will do that here since it was brought up. So if that's something you're interested in, check it out. Again, it's all free. Pay what you want. Um, yeah. Uh, so now we're going to get into uh, the last call-in for this episode. Hey, James. It's Che from Roleplay Rescue. I know I'm very late to the party, but I just want to say I started listening to your show and listened to episodes 0, 1, and 2 enjoying it and uh, just wanted to say thank you for putting it out there it's great to hear you using and sharing your working as it were you know using the gm emulator for mythic and um basic fantasy rpg which is great stuff enjoying it um was kind of surprised shocked and amused with the death of the first two pcs in that first battle so yeah just great stuff thanks very much game on yeah thanks again che uh yeah, I'm a big fan of your podcast. Any anybody listening who's not aware, Che's podcast, Roleplay Rescue, is amazing. Uh, you should definitely check it out. Um, there's all kinds of good thoughts, uh, and there's good interviews on there. Um, one of my favorites was with um, John from Tale of the Manticore, which is one of the um, previously mentioned uh, influences on this show. Um, yeah, and and I've read Che's articles as well on Solo Play, so you should check out his blog as well. Um, so definitely check that out. Glad that you're uh, enjoying the show. Um, no worry about being late to the party. Uh, the more people, you know, the better the party. That's the fun thing about uh, about things like this. I think by the time you'll get here, the real question will be, are you still as shocked uh, and amused by the last episode of season one? Just in case you skip ahead or anything, that's all I'll say here. Uh, but yeah, watch out for the spoilers, I guess. But um, yeah, I'm, I'm glad you're enjoying it. We'll see what you uh, make with the rest of it because it definitely goes in all kinds of different directions. Um but yeah, again, uh, everybody should definitely check out uh, Roleplay Rescue. Now we're going to move into the next segment. Uh, I've actually, for the first time, been experimenting just recording these small segments in straight in Anchor. So let me know what the sound quality is like. This is this made it easier to record short segments where I'm just responding to calls. And I do usually the main form one in Audacity so I can overlay the music and because uh, I have no idea what I'm doing. <laughs> so that's kind of like my normal process. So. Let me know how this sounds. If it sounds horrible, I won't. I won't use it anymore. If it sounds better, I'll find a way to do the music some some other way. Uh, but yes, the next segment actually, we're going to jump straight into the actual um, first one shot for season one point five. If you've skipped the previous part, welcome back to Subclass Act for our season one point five, the first one shot. Uh, in case you didn't listen to the bonus episode, this is going to be a special one shot using Index Card RPG and using a world from the, uh, suggested by Jason from Nerds RPG Variety Cast, uh, in the world section. I will make a brief caveat. I have read, or at least skimmed through most of the, of the Ghost Mountain setting here that I'm about to explain. 
but I have terrible short-term memory for a lot of this stuff. And, there, and there's a lot of things for solo that I'm going to take inspiration from, but I may not do exactly the same way as described being solo and being different. So I'm going to do my best here, but, uh, you know, hopefully there's no rules and setting lawyers out there because it's going to be a little bit, it is going to be a little bit different. Uh, and it's definitely something different than I've ever done before. One, I've never played an X-Car RPG and I've never played in this setting. But without further ado, I'm going to introduce the character that I made up. It wasn't exciting enough to have in the bonus episode because it's all point by, so it wouldn't have probably been very fun to listen to, but we do have the character here, and we're going to get underway. Um, for the Oracle for this one, I'm going to be using, instead of Mythic, I'm just going to be using the OSR Solo by Parts Per Million. Uh, it's quick and fast, and hopefully will give me enough inspiration, and if I get really stuck, I'll probably pull out um, Mythic to use the, uh, the inspiration tables, um, as I've often done in the past. Without further ado, let's get into it. Looking out over Ghost Mountain, things ain't what they used to be. You see, that there were, the world used to exist without being caught where it is before it was about to end. See, times was simpler back then. Nobody quite remembers how long we've been this way, and for sure nobody knows how long it's going to continue to be this way. All we know is those of us souls stuck here on this literally godforsaken rock, we've only got so much time. Lucifer constantly stretches out his hand trying to snatch us. We keep trying to reach upwards. Who knows who will prevail? We sure don't. Like I said, things ain't what they used to be. So in this setting, Ghost Mountain is a fragment of rock. I'm looking at the map right here, which I know you can't see because it's a podcast, but um, looking right here, it's a rock. With, it's got a, It's literally a fragment of rock in the middle of the sky, uh, as it were. Really, it's stuck between, it's the, a fragment of earth stuck literally between heaven and between hell. Both sides trying to vie, uh, vie for the souls here. So there's the souls of the people on here. Uh, Lucifer on the, uh, the dead pinnacles and hell on the underside. Um, Constantly gambling for the souls of those here. The the world will end soon. The sun, the the blood red sun will uh, set, and souls will go whichever way they will go. Uh, so everybody's here just vying for their basic existence and their uh, in in the here and now as supplies run low, but also um, for their eternal existence, as it were. I'm going to introduce the character here. Uh, the character for this uh, for this one shot is Malachi Zorana, um, and he is a, a gunslinger and a loner. So, uh, for those unfamiliar with the Dex Guard RPG, I'll give you a brief rundown. Um, feel free to skip past this if you don't care. Uh, Index RPG is is super cool for a lot of reasons. Uh, it's made by uh, Hanker Infernal, um, Brendan Gilmesh, whichever um, you know him as, uh, Rune Hammer on YouTube, uh, an amazing game designer, an amazing channel. Um, I've got the Dead Tree version, as I do for my very favorite games here, um, of the second edition core. I know the, the Master Edition is coming out soon, which will have all of the stuff in it, including the worlds that I'm using off of a PDF here. Um, it's an amazing book. Probably one of the best parts about it is that it's almost all settings and, uh, you know, inspiration. And even though I'm not typically a set, you, I, this is probably the first time I've ever really tried to use somebody else's settings outside of trying to run a Star, uh, Star Wars Edge of the Empire game. Um, so I have no idea what I'm doing on that front. It's all like monsters and settings and ideas and GM advice, all of which is amazing. It's solid uh, mechanic ideas. The The basic mechanics are extremely, extremely, extremely simple. They fit on just a couple pages here. You probably could make them fit on one page, and this is a digest-sized book anyway. Um, so it's amazing. Uh, this is probably what you thought D&D &D would be like to play before you actually read D&D &D if, if you do play that. So uh, it's it's fantastic, and it's got several settings. By default, it comes with a sci-fi and a fantasy setting. Obviously, there's this one here, and there's there are others. Um, so it is a D20 system. We're, I'm going to be rolling D20s most of the time to try to do things. There are checks that I'll make. Um, these are uh, more like... Um, more like saving throws, really. So uh, if you're, let's say there's a runaway cart, I think is the example it uses, and you need to dodge out of the way. Okay, you're going to make a dexterity check, uh, and that will be, um, that will be, you know, pass or fail, that's it. A lot of the stuff in, in, the, uh, in the game will not be that kind of a check. It'll be a different kind of a check, and that will be attacking monsters, longer running tasks, trying to bust down a door, open a chest that's locked, or trying to pick a lock, things like that. 
uh, one of the brilliant things about this game is everything uses hearts, kind of like in a video game, like a uh, Legend of Zelda. And uh, a heart is 10 HP, and pretty much everything has HP. So that locked chest has HP, the monster has HP, uh, character has HP, and the way that it works is that's that's how you measure effort. So if you pass the target number, which we'll come back to in a moment, uh, you then roll for effort. So if, it, if you're just doing a basic task, that's a d4. If you're using a weapon, uh, that's a d6. Um, I think I'll have to look it up again because I forget there's because I, I have a couple versions when you buy a version of this game you get the updates which is amazing uh, it's the best deal probably in games besides you know some of the good free games um, it's fantastic um, but uh, yeah actually I've got on the character sheet um, you've got magic as a d8 I think the new version has um, guns as a d10 maybe but I'm just gonna use what's here in, in a second um, so magic is a d8 and then if you roll a natural 20 then you get to roll ultimate effort which is what's called, and you roll a d12, so you can um, use all of your dice, but it's it's very basic, which is cool. Um, you kind of have abstracted supplies and ammo. Um, my whole character is fitting on a, a portrait orientation index card at the moment, which is fitting, I guess, for the game. Uh, so there's very, very little of stats are the ones you expect, strength, dexterity, constitution, intelligence, wisdom, charisma, but instead of having a number that's useless most of the time, and then also a bonus, your numbers are just the bonus, and the way I made the character was that you, you have a certain number of points you can spend at the beginning. Um, so you can spend them on your attributes, you can spend them on bonuses to your uh, your effort dice, and you can spend them even on your armor. And the only way that you level up in this game, there's no levels, you only level up by getting loot, which is rad and super cool, and I love it. And I hope you do too. Uh, especially great for one-shots, but even a campaign with the idea is that you, you're going to get cool stuff, and that's how you get better. You don't just magically all of a sudden be able to absorb more bullets, right? Uh, we'll come to the bullets later uh, in, a, in a, probably another part of the session, but because um, I'm going to run against the clock on this particular part of the segment with work, and I'll have to come back to it another time to, to get into the actual play. Um, for you, it'll be all be in this one chunk. Uh, but yeah, it's it's an amazing uh, system to just like, get straight into the action. Super cool. You, if you're playing on the table, you go around in turns. There's a lot of stuff that you just don't mess about with um, that usually wastes time. It's got all the stuff you need, none of the stuff you don't. Super rad. Everybody should get this game. It's amazing. Um, so just to go over the character stats, it's about what I have time for in this recorded segment. Uh, so again, Malachi Zorana, he's a loner gunslinger. That just kind of gives what his layout is. There's no classes, really. Classes are just layouts. And he's a loner. It's more of a role-playing thing for me. So this is very much the man with no name, this kind of Clint Eastwood spaghetti western kind of character. Uh which should just be fun for me to play. There's all kinds of other suggestions in the setting, but this is the one that I'm, I've navigated towards. Uh, he has a uh, base strength, so you, you you write down the base and then whatever loot gives you, because loot gives you pluses to different stuff. So uh, he has plus, uh, plus zero strength, plus two dexterity, plus two constitution, plus two intelligence, or plus zero, sorry, intelligence, plus zero wisdom, plus zero charisma. So he's gunslinger type, he can take bullets, he can dish them out, not especially good at anything else. Um, I have the weapons kit with two six shooters, uh, an ammo pouch full of 24 bullets, um, and a wool poncho uh, as my starting equipment. Uh, armor for this case is just kind of my target number in a way. That's uh, 10 plus um, armor loot, which of which I have none. Uh, plus zero to my basic effort plus two to my weapons uh, effort. So it's plus two every time I roll damage with a with a pistol um, or do anything with weapons. Um, plus z uh, zero to magic effort and plus zero to ultimate effort. So that is it. Um, the only other really rule to come up with um, for deadliness on this is if you're playing around a table, normally there's uh, you know rounds until you roll a d6 rounds when you get down to zero or below he uh, hit points. Um, you roll a d6 and that's how many rounds until... You you're dead, or if you roll a d20, you revive. In this case, um, nobody's going to be able to revive me, so I'm just going to be rolling a d20 this round so my character would stumble around to see if I pop back up in that amount of time. And if it's a one, I get one shot, and that's it. Um, so it could end up being as lethal as the last season or not. It's a one shot, so who cares? Um, so, yeah, that'll be fun. I'm really excited to get into that um, and, and, and dive into the action. around the barren wastes. Wind blows by. 
scorching. Yet, not as before. See, the heat was different then. I feel it now. Not just the barren, dry, desert heat, but a heat that cuts you straight to the soul. Cuts right through you. The sun blazing up ahead. Is it really the sun? It's hard to know anymore. Sun seems to have a pale heat, but the real heat seems to come from below. And the dread. Nothing I can do about that right now, though. I just drift on. Looking to find what I can. To scrounge up what I can. You can't trust nobody. Maybe you never could. But you sure can't now. Nothing to do. But to head in, get a little closer to dead rock. See if I can't rustle up some some whiskey. Maybe rustle up some trouble. I don't know. Who knows when this godforsaken rock will crumble apart. Malachi Zorana walks slowly through the desert. Guns slung over his hip. Poncho on. Feeling the heat of the summer, or the eternal summer desert sun bearing down on him. You can see the town in the distance. Sand blowing through. A couple abandoned doors fly open and closed. Open and shut. Open and shut. Revealing nothing on the inside. Maybe there's something there. Maybe there's not. Who cares? Malachi finally makes it to Dead Rock. Not many people in the streets. A couple look up. Look back down. They don't care. Malachi walks up to the local watering hole. Maybe it had a name once, now it's just what it is. Maybe that's the story of this whole place, it just is what it is. Malachi walks in through the swing doors. Nobody's playing the piano today. Although, maybe people usually do, but today, well anyways, nobody is. Ambles up to the bar, nods to the bartender. Look around, there's a few people playing cards. There's a shady figure in the corner. Nobody's avoiding him, per se. But when people look over in that direction, they do seem to, uh, to skip over that particular corner, for sure. Malachi walks up and says, What's good around here? Bartender laughs. <laughs> Uh, what's good around here, huh? Well, it's a different kind of question now these days, isn't it? Yeah, I guess it is. Tell me. Do you remember when this all started? Because I sure as heck don't. Let's get to our first oracle roll of the game. I don't know if the bartender does remember what things were like. Maybe this is just a thing that Malachi, for whatever reason, can't remember. But uh, we'll, we'll ask the bartender, and I'm not going to adjust the likelihood. Uh, as a reference, again, I'm going to use the OSR solo tables today. It's in one small index card, and I feel like that fits the vibe here. So I'm going to roll a d6 um, and not adjust to plus one or minus one. It's going to be even odds. Um, if it's a complication is when I'll kind of get into a plot twist. Um, I think you're supposed to do several of these, but I want this is a one-shot, and I want a lot of plot twists, so I'm going to do that anytime there's a complication instead of getting to a certain number. Um... Or anytime I think there should be a plot twist. Alright. Does the bartender remember what things used to be like? Six. Yes. And. Oh, okay. I think the bartender looks at Malachi and says, uh. <laughs> yeah. Why, don't you? Oh, that's right. I remember now. You. So, I, basically, the bartender knows something about Malachi here that Malachi doesn't remember. 
But, at that moment, that figure in the corner stands up. Long, uh, long hat, long-brimmed hat, uh, black hat tipped down. The bad guys always wear black hats, of course, in westerns. I guess Malachi's not wearing a hat at the moment. I think maybe that's how we'll kind of show allegiances uh, in here. And the uh, figure in the corner stands up and says, uh, Malachi Zorana. <laughs> Come join me. Not knowing what to do, Malachi goes over. He goes over to the table, and the uh, person in the corner there just pulls out a deck of cards. Start shuffling. Ah, uh, Malachi. I knew I'd see you again soon. Sooner or later. I wish I could say the same for you. But I've been wandering for so long, to be honest, I don't know who you are. But frankly, I really don't care. Why have you asked me over here? Come join me. Or hand of cards. What are the stakes? <laughs> I don't have a lot of money on me. The stranger laughs. <laughs> I am talking about real stakes. Hmm. I'll tell you what. Why don't we play the souls of the gentleman over there? Malachi kind of looks at him. I don't, uh... Then you hear, you kind of hear a shifting of the seat as he scoots back. You can see, uh... He already has his gun drawn. It's, it's already drawn and pointed at Malachi. I really think you should sit down. Malachi sits down at the table. Alright. No idea what's going to happen here, but um, here's what I'm going to do. I You can hear I am actually shuffling cards. It's not a sound effect I've put in there. I'm sure that's probably obvious back when I listen back on the recording. Because um, I wanted to get the cards in here. So I kind of have to modify this a little bit. Because uh, I don't really think I'll be able to keep track too too hard of the tokens for a one shot. Keep track of the tokens, basically. There's different souls in here, and you can try to rescue as many as you can or not. I think with a lone gunslinger, a lo uh, gunslinger loner, like this is the kind of thing I probably will end up being the good guy at some point. But because I kind of get roped into it, I don't think because I'm particularly uh, care as much. Um, but I think what matters at the moment to Malachi is trying to figure out how this thing started what it is that the bartender knows that he doesn't. Um, and then there will probably be some other crazy stuff that happens. Um, but in, in the setting here, um, there's some stuff for playing playing hands uh, for the, and wagering the souls. Um, so I'm going to do that, but I'm going to do it pretty loose. Um, I think a lot of the stuff in the setting that's very cool works better in a group. So I'm going to pick and choose bits here, um, just as it seems fun for the solo stuff. So I am going to deal... Here's what I'm going to do is I'm going to deal poker hands for each um i am not going to um whatever the i'm not gonna look at the devil's hand until the end here um i'm gonna determine the outcome of what makes sense based on the hand so basically it's gonna be like five card stud um there's not really gonna be any betting i'm just gonna for the sake of the the, <laughs> the podcast um being all audio i'm just gonna deal two hands see who would win the hand but i may dictate it like it's going on as a game so just so you know kind of behind the scenes there so here comes the devil's hand. Well, I, I guess I'm going to deal both at the same time. I will look at Malachi's hand, though. What we see is, uh, as, as far as poker hand, oof, it's not, it's not looking very good here. There's really a, an ace high, ace of spades high here. Um, there's queen of diamonds, the four of hearts, the jack of diamonds. Three. This is nothing. I will. So I'm not really gonna play a stud because I, I will see. Like I will take cards. I don't. Not gonna look at the devil's hand here. Um, but I will. Literally the devil's hand. Um, but I will play mine. As it, he, I'm just gonna assume that he's gonna take no cards, and he'll either win or lose. And if he loses, Malachi. I will find out. Malachi may not. Malachi may not find out. We'll see what happens. Um. So Malachi looks at this. <laughs> kind of a straight face, you know, just a thing on the movies where they like barely folds over the edges of the cards, looks down. It says, uh, 
Yeah, I'll take uh, I'll take two. Puts down the four and the three. Devil deals two cards. Pulls him up, and it's garbage. It's another a three of clubs and the six. Also, please nobody judge me too hard on the poker on this. This is a side feature. He looks at it and says, um, The devil looks at him and says, uh, Well, are you in or not? Malachi's not sure what to do. He's not sure really what the stakes are. Doesn't know if he'll be able to bluff the devil. But he's going to try. He says, uh, You know, I've had a long day. This is exactly what I needed to see. So he's gonna make. Um, what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna make just a one, like a one heart, one effort. I guess um, we're gonna have some banter back and forth. I'm gonna do this is effort, like an in, uh, index card RPG, and I'm gonna do this with uh, charisma, for which I have a plus zero. This is not exactly his thing. So I'm gonna do a um, a charisma check, basically. Uh, I haven't set the target number in here. We're going to start it low. It's the beginning of the game. I'm going to set it um, at an even... Um, we'll just set it at an even 12 here. Uh, so in our index card RPG, that's going to be for the whole room. Everything that's going to be the target number is going to be 12 uh, until the situation changes in some meaningful way. <clears throat> Things are easier or hard. You can do plus 3 or minus 3. We're going to leave this at even 12. Alright, here comes the charisma check. 13. Okay. So what this means is I get to roll effort for it. So it's basically the, this encounter has 12 or it has 10 HP. It has one heart. So now I'm going to roll effort. This is really, this is basic effort. Um, so it's just a D4 to make progress towards this. Um, so roll the D4. Ah. Here goes the roll. Two. All right. So there's eight, eight effort remaining. The devil says, uh, yeah, yeah, you know, I'm not sure, uh, 100% certain I'm buying it. Why hurry with such a, such a decision? Orders two drinks over. Uh, Malachi drinks down and says, uh, you're gonna get me a victory drink too, right? Make another charisma check. Basically, as soon as I fail one of these, it's gonna be over, and he won't buy it. Yeah, the Christmas check. It's got to be over a 12. It's a 7. No, he says. <laughs> uh, I wouldn't uh, I wouldn't count on that if I were you. Are you calling or not? Devil looks at him and says. <laughs> Lays out his cards. So, um, yeah, I mean... Uh, Malachi lays down his cards. It's really just an ace high, which is rough. Now let's see the moment of truth. What does the devil have? Oof. Devil has a pair of tens. He lays it down and says, <laughs> uh, I think you're gonna have to have that victory and drink another time. We should do this again. This was fun. Stands up. You still can't see his face. It's just a sh his face is just shadowed. And you see he just... He stands up, pulls out both of his pistols, the devil this is, shoots two of the guys right through the head, sitting there at the table. They fall over, and the, the table get knocked over, the, dra the uh, drinks on the table fall over, glasses shattering. The devil walks straight over to him, and then he kind of like reaches down, like as if he was gonna like grab their hearts out, like Indiana Jones style, but instead he just kind of reaches through them and grabs where their heart should be, and you can see he's holding the souls of each. He holds them and looks at him for a second, and then he, like, stuffs them in like, a small bag that he's got around his waist. He just stuffs them in there nonchalantly, straightens out his jacket, kind of, like, looks back. You still can't see his face. Looking at Malachi, kind of just, like, touches the corner of his hat, walks out, throws a coin to the bartender on the way out. 
this is the part of the the game I would think where it's as like ghost mountain over over the screen, you know. <laughs> That's gonna be the pace here. All right. So let's get into what happens afterwards. So presumably Malachi sits there for a bit, um, feeling the weight of the fact that he's just. I don't. I mean, it felt compelled to to play this game. I'm not even quite sure what the stakes are, but you know, I guess just being shot, right? I think eventually he decides he doesn't feel super broken up about it though, because you know the devil had the had his guns trained on him the whole time. He just says, "I guess better them than me." He looks around and I think there's got to be something else in here. So there's uh, nobody else we've seen so far in the bar. Um, I, I think this is the part where somebody's going to come in, roll in through town, uh, and I kind of want to know if they are. So we're going to do some branching. Um, some, you know, diverging things here, so um, it's either going to be uh, like basically some cattle rustlers, maybe, that like are looking for supplies, um, or some sort of a supernat another supernatural figure walks into town. So I'm going to ask, uh, this is going to be one or the other, so is it um, is it the cattle rustler types? Like the, the uh, outlaw types? I'm going to roll uh, even likelihood and it's gonna be one or the other. So is it the outlaws? No, it is not. So some sort of a supernatural figure rolls in. Um, so I guess we need to know, uh, what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna roll again. If it's one or two, it's gonna be um, someone from the dead pinnacles. It's gonna be some sort of a demon. Uh, if it's a, f um, a four or five, it's gonna be, um, it's going to be some sort of an angelic figure. Um, actually, let's do it this way. If it's one or two, it'll be a demon. Three or four, angelic. Or five or six, um, it's something else entirely. So let's see. It's a two, so some sort of demon walks into town. Um, and the next thing we need to know is, is there are, are there more than one? Um, so let's see. Even likelihood? It's a three, so it's a complication. So it's not about, so first we'll deal with the complication part, which means the premise of the question is wrong. It's not about how many there are. Um, some sort of a presence walks into town, so it's, I think it's either, it could mean that it's like something more incorporeal, um, such that like, uh, you can't really distinguish the different bits or that it's some sort of a demonic event that happens. I think that one would be cooler. So it's not that a demon strolls into town per se. It's that the presence of a, de a demon is detected somehow. Um, and then we're going to roll a plot twist afterwards as well. So I think what happens is all of a sudden outside, Malachi looks outside. He kind of walks up to the swing doors, but doesn't go through them yet, just looks out. And all of a sudden, it's as if there's sort of like an eclipse that happens, but instead of the shadow coming over, the entire scenery just turns blood red. Just the whole city, you can see the wave of this red color taking over Dead Rock. The whole thing turns blood red. We hear it. several screams. Can't quite tell where they're coming from, though. Now let's roll the plot twist. So it's 2d6 on this table here for plot twists. So it's going to be an emotional event, seems like it already, alters the location. Well, that's super funny, because that's kind of already what's happening. It's funny how that happens with the dice. An emotional event alters the location. Oh, yeah. Well, I think here's what's going to happen is that um, the uh, the bartender says, oh, it's happening. What's happening? And all of a sudden, as the, like, the color, like, the red color takes over him, he starts to, like, turn into this skeletal being. Uh, like, he turns kind of into a skeleton, but not like a, not like a D&D skeleton, like, literally a skeleton, but, like, he just looks awful like you know maybe not quite uh pirates of the caribbean pirates you know but like something like that he looks off he doesn't look fully alive maybe you know not quite ghost rider either i guess i don't know exactly what i'm saying but it's kind of like he kind of looks like a skeleton but more more demonic than that like a blood red skeleton um so i think malachi's wondering just as much as i am is this something that happens frequently like were they already like this? Were they, were they already dead or dead or undead like this? Or is this happening for the first time? I have no idea. 
but either way, I think we're going to need to deal with it. So the skeleton's going to come ambling over to him. I'm going to look real quick to see. I don't want to flip through books a lot. Um, I know that there's going to be some skeleton stats in here. Uh, you know, that I can, you know, you can reskin all the monsters in here, and they're super easy to make anyway. But I kind of want to look one of the books since this is my first time playing a next card. So I'm going to grab real quick the, um, the uh, skeleton stats here. Here we go, right here. Um, and we're gonna just like look through and see what a monster looks like. So um, I'm gonna, I'm not gonna read through them every time like this. I'll read them as they come up, uh, as mechanics come up. But for this first one, so you get a, a kind of a concept, I'll read it. So there's the skeletons here. Um, their rolls, the way their rolls are affected is they have plus two to all rolls. Um, they can attack with a weapon. Um, they can attack with a death touch. Uh, that's pretty rad. Um, so there's spear fighters. Um, so they have a spear normally, and they can attack at near range. Um, in this case, we'll see. We'll have to see if the bartender has a gun or not. I'm gonna. I'm gonna say that's probably likely he is. Probably has a shotgun underneath the bar. Um, they can never move far in an action, so they move really slow. Um, animated bits. Um, so once destroyed, intact pieces of a skeleton will. Um, uh, contain lifelike will to complete their task. It's basically to keep crawling, which is cool. They often appear in large numbers. It says controlled by an object. Um, bound to a relic or artifact of their past. That's cool. We're going to reskin this a little bit. Um, probably this, the spear uh, kind of thing. We'll, we'll see about that. They probably will be slow. There are kind of legions of them because we said that there's like the town. As far as I know, maybe there are some exceptions, but I'm assuming that this is going to happen to a large part of the town, all the shrieking part of the town. And they are controlled by some sort of an object, but it, we don't know what it is yet. We are going to get into some combat here, though. There's no initiative. Um, normally, we just go back and forth. Um, I will probably roll to see who's going to act first. Um, but, you know, actually, you know what? I decided uh, just now, actually. Um, I'm going to take a Han shot first, is what I'm going to call this, uh, um, this kind of house rule for this. Because this is already going to be super deadly, it's a one-shot, it's just me, and there's nobody else, uh, at least yet. I have no party yet. Um, I'm gonna, oh, I'm just going to get to shoot first. It's I'm just going to, I've just decided that, like, so Malachi shot first. Um, so I'm going to get to act first round. That doesn't mean I have to shoot, literally shoot first, but I'm going to just go first in combat rounds. It's the only way I'm really probably going to survive this thing, if I survive it. So now we need to know um, if this skeleton bartender has, um, like, a shotgun underneath the... The bar and then we will we will see what happens here okay so I'm gonna say it's it's likely he does so it's a plus one to the result so it's a three plus one yes but so yes he has a shotgun in the bar but and we're gonna say the but is that in the skeleton form he can't use it so he'd, he'd have to amble over to me um, or use some sort of a physical physical weapon. So that's that's a fact we've established now about the world is that when they're in the skeleton form, like these these townspeople, they can't use firearms. They don't have any concept of that. They have to use something else. They can probably throw things, or you know, attack with other kinds of weapons. But they're not going to be able to use firearms, which is good for me. So now uh, I'm going to roll the attack. Basically, it's dexterity. It's going to be dexterity because I'm going to be shooting with the weapons. Um, I have a plus two dexterity. Uh, so I'm gonna roll plus two. The counter in this room is still 12. Um, since there's not a super change, like, like Lucifer's not in here, I put it easy on myself with Lucifer. He'll probably be harder in the future. It's a pretty open room though. 12 seems reasonable enough. Fairly easy room because it's just an open bar room. So I need a roll to attack him. Um, and uh, let's see. So I think I just need to... Um, Give me just one second, and I will pause the podcast. Give me one second to review um, how combat works here. Okay, I just wanted to check. So the, the armor is a player-only thing, so I just need to make a check like anything else, I guess, just to, hit the, to try to hit this, uh, this demon skeleton. So I'm going to take, uh, I guess, to take um, the way the turns work, just as a heads-up. It's, it's really, we've already done one. It's the same as before. But so you can take, um, you can move far, you can move near and take an action, or you can stay and, and make an action. Um, so I'm gonna, yeah, I think we're just gonna take a shot here at the uh, at the skeleton. Uh, my six shooter here. Shoot a couple times. I gotta beat over a twelve to hit the skeleton. 
Uh, rolled a 10 plus my two dexterity, that's a 12, so it meets the target number. So I do hit the skeleton, it has one heart, so I need to get up to 10 effort to kill this thing. Now there are rules in, um, in Ghost Mountain here uh, for the way that guns work. So I'll just pull those up real quick. I can't promise that I will remember to do this every time. Uh, but just to kind of give the, the example, there's in each of these settings for um, there's like different specific rules, which is what's really cool about next card RPG. It's uh, the rules themselves are so basic that you can just make setting specific stuff, which is obviously very rad. Um, so here in Ghost Mountain, I'm just trying to get to the page. This is good podcast materials, me flipping through PDF stuff. Um, let's see, all kinds of all kinds of loot and stuff. Uh, basically, guns become super dangerous, though. They can take you down to to one hit point here. Um, yeah, so guns, they'll kill you. So, this is a special firearms rule. Um, there's not much armor. Uh, guns are super lethal, so the way it works is that on an attempt of, in this case, attempt of 15 plus, do maximum damage. So, if I get 15 or more on the hit, yeah, it would do maximum damage, which is crazy. Uh, if you're at point blank range, you automatically do maximum damage. Um, anytime you're hit, so if anytime Malachi's hit here, um, for three or more damage, you have to make a con roll to avoid losing uh, a turn. Um, there's some supply stuff in here. Um, pistols can only hit near targets unless you roll a natural 20, which makes sense. You can't you know, snipe somebody with a pistol. Um, and then wet ammo has a 50% chance of being ruined, which is pretty cool. Uh, and then any, any any gunshot, aim for the vitals hard roll, so you can. Try you can try it to make things harder. You roll it in a plus three. If you say before time, you're going to aim for vitals. You're going to do a harder shot than normal. Uh, if you hit, you don't roll damage. The um, the target has to make a Constitution roll, or they're um, dropped to one HP, which is crazy. In this case, though, none of that really applies. I'm just going to hit for um, basic effort here, um, or weapons effort. Sorry, which is a D6, and I have a plus two. So you can also spend your points not just on your stats, your armor, but also like your effort roll. So I'm just Anytime I hit somebody with weapons, I'm just going to do more damage um, than other people because I'm a better shot. So, uh, yeah. Going to roll this d6, add 2. Got a 2, so that's 4. The skeleton takes 4 damage, it has 6 left. Keep track of this, I'll die. Uh, it's going to try to um, move uh, around the bar uh, and it breaks a bottle, shatters a bottle on the bar, and, uh, and it's going to try to stab me with it. So I'm gonna need to, uh, it, it needs to roll basically um, over my armor, which is just 10, because I really don't have any pluses in armor. So it just has to roll over a 10 to hit me. Okay, roll a three, so I'm able to dodge out of the way, and I'm gonna pull, pull the other pistol um, and shoot. Now that he is next to me trying to stab me, I'm point blank, so I stick the other pistol, um, pistol in his face, and so I automatically do maximum damage which would be six on a d6 plus two, so eight, which would be enough to wipe out the skeleton. So, in like this, like the slow bullet time, all of a sudden, put the pistol up to this, this skeleton bartender's head. You can hear the hammer cock back. The guys, like the camera basically zooms in on the pistol, ha hammer cocks back, fire, fire goes off, camera jumps to crows flying off, you know, and, and screaming. But I think they're like blood red crows though. That just sounds super cool. These like demon crows are flying off, um, screaming, um, and whatever. As uh, the bartender, the once uh, possessed skeleton bartender, drops now, now completely headless to the ground. Then uh, Malachi walks over to the bar. There's a shot or two on the counter. Takes a couple shots. And strolls out. So we're gonna call that one one of the scenes here. Um, I think that's gonna we're gonna keep this episode fairly short. Uh, I'm gonna call it here, and next time we're gonna see what the other effects are of this uh, this blood red sun segment of, of it is. We'll see what's really going on here. I'll probably also make myself some random tables, which um, I'll probably share at the beginning of the next episode uh, of some things that could happen. I might extrapolate some from the um, potential adventure prompts from. Ghost Mountain, but I'll probably just make my own custom version of the action um, action subject kind of tables from Mythic, but specific to the setting, or, or things like that, or just some, just some word association tables to, for all the plot twists. 
So I hope you've enjoyed. This first episode is a little bit of exposition, um, a little bit of um, you know play, a little bit of talking about the system. Hopefully you've enjoyed this uh, as we'll continue next time in the same one-shot. I will say no exposition was written ahead of time. I don't write anything ahead of time uh, for this podcast. It's all made up when it's recording. So I hope you enjoyed it, and we'll see you next time on Subclass Act. <laughs>